Don't stop going, going south Cause they'll let you play music real damn loud Don't stop heading, heading south from How to Barbecue Right Studios in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. Today is a beautiful Friday morning, absolutely cool. The last couple of days have been right at 58 degrees outside. Uh, fantastic weather for the concert last night yep. uh actually you know seven to nine last night so i hope everybody got to get it and enjoy that it was just beautiful weather to be doing that matt also uh, beautiful weather to cut a water main it's exactly right Derek. across from wendy's they can tear down coleman's barbecue and oh, trust Mart bank I, 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 let's, uh, real yeah, quick that's yeah. sad that was very sad it's to gone. watch that come down it, it's like it never even happened it, no i mean th- there's brick oven wide open now you yep. can see all back there tor kroger wide yep. open um but just a very sad that that I mean, it was a fixture Hernando for sure. decades, and just to see it come down. But yeah, right across the street, they uh, they they something else was punctured, came down, whatever you want to say. Right, they've been digging right there next to Wendy's now for I think for about a month, mm-hmm. uh, digging, doing some different stuff. Do we know what that is or what the situation is? I know we talked about this on the podcast for for a while. Carlisle Corporation wanted to do some stuff with the street and do some stuff development behind Wendy's, but is it part of? Well, they're putting the, they're putting the road in yes. to connect to the back of the property to be able to access to make commercial access. Lots. Okay, so that's what they're doing. They're putting that road in. Remember, it's going to be privately yep. maintained. The city okay. wouldn't. Just, they said they voted down taking it over, so that will be a privately maintained road. So then the process of putting that down and just kind of hit a water main, putting the infrastructure in. It was bad. Yeah, it was bad yesterday. I got uh, phone calls. Hernando High School was affected. Middle school had to walk to the elementary school if you had to go to the bathroom i know several businesses on the other side of 55 but uh just a mess man just well, a I mean, mess a, i mean that's a large line because our neighborhood was affected everything sure. basically east of mount pleasant was right. affected um and that's or, or east street i guess east of east street uh was affected and that's just it's a large swath of people that uh, were out without water yesterday afternoon no doubt about that and again go back to coleman's barbecue and trust mark bank uh they are officially on monday they were standing and by friday morning they are gone they're gone and, um, you know, for those of y'all that don't know, right across from Wendy's right there, as you turn to go to Kroger, um, they're, they're going to be building Trustmark bank is going to be building a huge bank. And I think they're North Mississippi headquarters yeah. will be there maybe on the second Mo- they're floor. Moving off the square, right. Uh, moving off the square. The location yeah. down on the square and moving into this brand new location right there. Again, a sad sight to see. Uh, everybody understands progress. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what goes in the vacant building. A Trustmark on the square. What's going to happen with sure. that? That'll be now a new tenant can go in there at some you know, form or fashion or, actually you can buy it to go there so we'll we'll see what happens but uh some progress and then you know two steps forward one step back breaking that water main right exactly and let's not feel bad for the maybe the people that own the coleman's barbecue because they uh, did sell it they so did sell it they, they did, did sell it, sell it for <laughs> nice. to, a, to a bank they did sell it to a bank <laughs> and derek that leads us into if you're in the market for residential real estate in desoto county anywhere in desoto county you definitely want to reach out to our 2021 presenting sponsor the number one real estate team in desoto county for over a decade i'm speaking of team couch of birch realty group they possess over 65 years of combined real estate experience whether you you are buying or selling residential real estate, you want to give Brian and Terry a call. They are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they are available whenever you need them. They're currently offering a free 
no obligation market analysis. You simply give them your address. They will tell you all about your neighborhood. They'll tell you about your zip code. They'll give you comps, all the different information. They simply need your address and they can help you when it comes to buying or selling a home. There's no better residential real estate team in DeSoto County than Team Couch or Birch Realty Group. You can call their office at 662-449-1700 or call Brian on his cell phone at 901-461-7653. That's 901-461-SOLD, S-O-L-D. If you are in the market for buying or selling a home in DeSoto County, do not go into that by yourself. Now's the time to use a realtor to work through multiple offers, help with closing attorneys, title companies, all the different experience that Brian and Terry and their team have are going to help you when it comes to this very hot DeSoto County real estate market. Give them a call or find them at teamcouch.com. That's teamcouch.com. Thank you, Brian and Terry, for being our 2021 presenting sponsor. As we begin our Friday morning show, we want to certainly give a shout out and definitely wish best of luck to the Palmer home that's working out with the Shotgun and Sunflowers fundraiser right now. And the reason I mention it is because Malcolm and Rochelle Reed, the owners of How to Barbecue Right Shop, are heavily involved with this event. So good luck today. If you hear our voice right around 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning on Friday, Shotguns and Sunflowers happening now. Maybe too late for you to shoot there, but never too late to look up, get information, palmerhome.org. That's palmerhome.org. You definitely can donate to them at any point. So good luck to them today when it comes to their shotgun and sunflowers event. Part of today's event will be lunch provided by Malcolm Reed from How to Barbecue Right Shop. How to Barbecue Right Shop is our 2021 studio sponsor. They are located right here at Hernando. This store has everything a person needs for barbecue, crawfish, and all other kinds of outdoor cooking. Whether it's rubs, sauces, thermometers, cast iron, cutting boards, knives, or some of the coolest high-end smokers on the market, Malcolm's Shop is definitely where you want to start. If you've ever seen his How to Barbecue Right cooking videos, you need to stop by his shop today. You can find more information on Facebook at H2Q Malcolm Shop. Give them a call at 662-912-9947. Visit their website at howtobarbecuewrite, that's howtobbqwrite.com, or visit the How to Barbecue Right shop located at 496 Whitfield Drive in Hernando. Thank you to Malcolm and Rochelle for being our 2021 studio sponsor. It is our second Friday show of the month of September. However, it's our first Friday show where we're going to discuss the Board of Aldermen meeting here in Hernando. Derek, a very uh, interesting meeting was quite long, almost three hours, but certainly full of a lot of information, different things. You know, Derek, I'll just go ahead and say that and we'll get to it in just a second. It's going to be a new, uh, the, the budget for 2021-22 fiscal year for the city of Hernando did pass. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second, Derek, but go ahead and lead us into the Aldermen meeting that took place this past Tuesday, the first Aldermen meeting for September. The Alderman meeting consisted basically of two topics. Uh, there are about three or four things I'm going to mention before that very quickly. Uh, the first was one of the topics actually had to be added to the agenda. Uh, the agenda was amended uh, after the beginning to add a noise ordinance discussion that had been tabled since August 3rd. This was left off the agenda. Uh, the, if you remember back on August 3rd when we talked about this, they asked for the city attorney to pull some noise ordinances to deal with the complaints coming from the residences that are off of Memphis Street behind uh, Uncle Bubba's restaurant. They asked him to bring it back in a month. It is a month. It was forgot to be added, so they did add that. They did unanimously approve to put it on the agenda. So we'll come back to that in just a second, but that was the first thing done. 
Next, again, there's three or four things very quickly. The route for the homecoming parade is set. Uh, the homecoming parade will be on October 7th. We did not have one last year. Uh, it will be on the usual parade route, down Commerce, around the square, ending on Center Street. And, of course, this approved unanimously. Very excited for the school. I know everybody will be excited to have the parade uh, since we had not had one in a couple of years. Next, on the planning agenda, uh, I do want to make us a, a correction to something we said Tuesday. Excuse me. The owner of the property is asking to subdivide the property to sell to Ortho South. It wasn't mentioned. The owner of the Fieldhouse property plat. Right. So the Fieldhouse is going from two, one lot to two, selling part of that, or, or I guess they had to do it now at this meeting because they're trying to close on that sale before the end of September. So um, that is going to be sold to Ortho South. It was announced in the public meeting to build a new medical facility uh, that will go next to the Fieldhouse and in conjunction. So obviously if athletes get hurt, they can go right next door uh, to have that looked at. This was requested, again, to help with the early closing. So this is going to go from lot one, the field house will be 15.1 acres. Lot two will be just under four acres for the Ortho South building. I do want to make a correction on the Tuesday show. I had said this was going to be at Easley's property. The baseball fields, that's not correct. Yes. This is that, that may happen in the future. This right now is an Ortho building just to the west uh, of the field house. It's that part of the lot that will be coming in. Of course, the planning commission had also approved it unanimously. The interim planning director did propose that the sidewalks and the other improvements have to be finished in order to get final approval. Everybody agreed. The mayor said, yes, we'll make sure that in order to get final approval that those are properly done. It approved unanimously with bonded sidewalks, and then um, that must be completed before they get final approval. So uh, good job there. Looking forward to a, a new medical uh, facility coming to Hernando. Well, Ortho South, one of the biggest names in when it comes to oh. medical, medical market, uh, was once Ortho Memphis, now is Ortho, Ortho South, uh, consisted of Tabor Orthopedics, was the former another former group that's kind of combined. But Ortho South is one of the uh, largest and most premier, you know, it's right up there with Campbell's Clinic, of, oh, yeah. for, of course, in the area. So the fact that they're wanting to invest in Hernando is really, really awesome. Oh, so huge. good job by the city to approve that and uh, right there Greg Drumwright's uh, property right there with the field house uh, right there off 69 it's just the beginning there were some people asking for the money to be put in the budget uh, just real quick the house of grace is going to get the same they got last year the library uh, it's millage was set now it is actually set millage kind of like the parks it was set for $148,000. And the chamber allocation, for those that always ask, how does the chamber work in conjunction with the city? Well, the major, the main, I guess, funding of the chamber, the chamber is not a city department, but the main funding for the chamber comes from the city. Uh, they allocated $20,000 for the chamber. The uh, MOU for the bank account for the $250,000 was approved. Uh, and as was the setting up of the bank account, I do want to make a correction. I had thought that was the $3.6 million coming in. That money is not being received. It is still basically guaranteed coming to us. It has not yet been received. This is the 250 coming in that we've talked about from the lottery money coming in. And so that was received. They are going to open the bank account. So I want to make that correction real quick. Uh, other than that, there was a decrua discussion. Not a lot, you know, basically Hernando approved their portion of this discussion. If you want to watch that, go to the two-hour and 35-minute mark. There's a good five- or ten-minute discussion about how this decrua, the override county decrua works. I encourage you to go look at that. Uh, and then finally, the grant application for was approved for the Excel by five. So those were kind of the smaller things that happened on Tuesday night. So, again, please go to the YouTube site if you want to get any more information on those. But mostly very little discussion other than decrua. Next, or I guess the 14th item on the agenda, the next thing we want to talk about is the noise ordinance. Again, that was added on there. So as we're going through this, we're going to discuss this 
we, we want to have this discussion. Matt and I are going to talk about it. But uh, we're going to have some caveats in there because this was not announced. It was not on the agenda as of Friday. Um, and so it was not added till that night. And so there were a lot of parties that probably should have been there that weren't. Uh, and so as we go through this discussion, understand that not all of the parties involved were able to say their piece on public record. It was put down as a discussion. So there was no way it could be voted on that night. Uh, Alderman uh, Miller's just reminded everybody, hey, we cannot put anything in place tonight because it was a discussion. The proper uh, you know, publications announcement have not been made that a noise ordinance may be going to affect. They could not do anything Tuesday night, but I mean, it is what it is. That's that's law. So this was a discussion. So discussion started with the city attorney bringing up the ordinances, and I know Matt, you watched it too, of the different cities: uh, Olive Branch, South Haven, and Oxford were the three that he brought. Now Oxford. Uh, was the one that they were most interested in and the one they had the least information about. So the Oxford ordinance is decibel-driven. Police must determine decibel level, so they actually have to have a device in their car going around if there are, you know, if there's noise. Each, like, subdivisions have a certain level they can be at. The square has a certain level it can be at, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, there is no outside music. Right. There's no outside music. This is this would be coming from inside. If it's so loud that it's coming from the inside, they can find them. They can shut the place down based on the decibel level reading. We'll come back to Oxford in just a second. Olive Branch Ordinance. Now, this was passed December 6, 1994 in regards to music. Matt, no live music in Olive Branch. No live music. No outside live music. No outside live music that is amplified, is allowed to disturb anyone around that business. It's a very strict code. Also does not allow singing, yelling, whistling that disturbs others, and use of construction tools or power tools cannot be used between the hours of 10 p.m. and 7 a.m. Permit, there can be special permits if they, I guess, had a citywide block party or something. There could be special permits issued by the chief of police, and they can grant temporary permits or revoke any permit issued. So they can also take it away as quickly as they can give it. So Olive Branch, again, a very strict ordinance that they have in place since 1994. Not decibel driven, but just times that you can do things, must apply for permits. You're going to be on the city's radar if you're doing something, an outdoor concert, anything like that, of course. You know, that's pretty restrictive, pretty interesting. They did South Havens. Now, South Havens is more detailed. Uh, They actually start with their exemptions. So they go right away to saying, okay, these things are not included in our ordinance. Uh, Any school band. So school band, you can be as loud as you want to. Or school activity is exempt from a noise ordinance until midnight. So you can be as loud as you want to, band, fire it up till midnight. Events that have permits are exempted. Obviously, they have concerts uh, at Snowden Grove, and so those would have a permit. Therefore, they can be as loud as they want to be. Activities in public parks and playgrounds are exempted from 7 a.m. to midnight, probably most specifically for fireworks shows. Uh, well, that would be for construction noise limited to 7 a.m. through 6 p.m., Monday through Saturday, so you can have a, you know loud construction noise up to 6 p.m. and 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. They also have restrictions on how loud trucks can be. This restricts the noise that violates standards of the chapter. Whatever that means, that's what it says. Specific noises not allowed are backfiring noises, yelling, shouting, etc., as well as the power tools very similar to what Olive Branch put in. Uh, the city attorney made a comment that it looked like that part of the section may have been written from Olive Branch's. Uh, 10 p.m. to 7 p.m., very similar time, is is the normal time for noise ordinances other than events with the permit. South Haven does have one decibel level that is listed in their code, 70 decibels for industrial equipment. Uh, For music, any music outside of a reasonable degree 
that disturbs mental sensibilities. Again, that we'll get to that in just a second again for Hernando purposes on what does that mean. Uh, so then, that basically, so that's what the, the information he had uh, you know, presented it. Andrew Miller made the point that we need to have a decibel level. So he was already saying, first thing he said was, all right, this whole thing about sensibility, non-sensibility, like uh, what level is too high sure. based on you know your own discretion, that's going to be really hard to enforce. So he said that we need to have some kind of decibel level standard you know, since everyone's reasonable level for noise is different. Then several aldermen said, we want to see Oxford's. So he did have a copy of the Oxford's there. He did pass it around for people to look at and start making comments off of. The problem was not all of them could get the copy at the same time. People in the, a couple of people in the audience were interested in what it said. And so he said, you know, again, this is a discussion. So he said, okay, I will, when I put this, I want to email you. So all the aldermen uh, on Wednesday morning had a copy of that ordinance in their, in their email to be able to review. Then it came time for public comment. The first person to come up was Austin Wilson. Austin Wilson is a, uh, a developer in town, a young developer with his grandfather, Dale Wilson. And he came to speak for the development on Memphis Street, uh, which is called the Ivy, uh, which is right there off of Memphis Street. And he doesn't believe that the restaurant across the street is held to the same standards as other places and the developments downtown, is basically what he was saying. He said, ongoing problem of the noise uh, coming from the restaurant. He said, now again, this is what the... Uh, what Austin Wilson and Dale Wilson stated on public record. Watch it on YouTube. Watch it on YouTube. He has offered, he says that his grandfather offered to build a sound wall at 100% of his cost to help with the sound, but the owner of the restaurant refused. Uh, that's, what, that's what he said. The, the owner of the restaurant. Yeah. The, race, the relationship has gotten hostile. He said it should be noted that the restaurant owner was told, and again, this is where we want to make sure. The restaurant owner was told that this was not on the agenda. He actually talked to an alderman Friday evening they said no it's not in the agenda so he did not worry about it it wasn't on there he didn't think he had to come speak to say his piece it was added at 605 on tuesday tuesday night and he did not have a chance he was not contacted to come up there again it was a discussion so we want to make sure all this is going to be pretty one-sided because of the fact that he was not there um but you know so just want to make sure that we you know we want to be completely open about what we're talking about um, he did say that you know that the restaurant is having music four nights a, four hours a night four nights a week. Austin said that. Austin did say that uh, more of a noise issue than the time of night issue. So he says sometimes they do finish it in ten or eleven. That's not really the issue. The issue is how loud it is. He said that's a, that's a bigger issue than the actual number of hours they're playing. Right. The next citizen comes up there, brought her decibel level decibel level reader, showing multiple times of over ninety decibels in her house, thirty feet away. And Matt, I will you know if you watch the YouTube, you can easily hear a rebel yell uh, off her phone or off the decibel level uh, meter picking it up. Billy Idol. Billy Idol. (laughs) I also said that the motorcycles on Tuesday night, biker night, it's also, they were just as loud as the music revving up, you know, leaving, getting there, that sort of thing. The next citizen spoke to shout about how she has to put earplugs in to watch TV and basically watches TV in mute because she can't even hear the TV. She has to turn the TV down and put earplugs in. She mentioned and real that, quick, the second lady to speak does not live in the eye. That's right. That's correct. Uh, a third citizen then went up there and said, told other renters moving in that he would tell other renters moving in about the noise and say, look, I would not live here. You know, I would advise you to not live here. And again, he spoke for about 10 minutes, 12 minutes. And uh, that was one of the points that he made. So again, there was a lot of complaints. If you heard the, the, Again, what the woman played, it was very loud. It was. We actually saw a video the next day uh, of something that literally happened right after the Alderman meeting. After the meeting, meeting yes. Uh, that night on Tuesday night, how loud the music was. And it was, I could not have gone to sleep that night uh, listening to that. 
the owner of the building. Now, not the owner of the business, the owner of the building, the business leases uh, from the landlord. He then went up to kind of mention that, yes, and I don't know if a lot of people knew who he was, but he got up on the microphone and said, I'm the owner of the building, uh, but he does not have any ownership in the restaurant. He wanted to be very clear that he does not have ownership in the restaurant, only of the building. Hey, Derek, before we keep going, let's circle back real quick. Part of the discussion on the volume of the music, the time of the music that it goes on to, part of the things that the people did speak on is that it has become quite contentious Mm -hmm. between them as neighbors with the restaurant. Um, They mentioned several times of just vulgarity, loudness, rudeness aimed towards them, uh, stuff like that. They also, I don't know if they applied or they actually stated it, don't want to misspeak, but basically that they would turn the speakers, aim it Correct. more toward the houses um, because of the complaints Correct. kind of, you know, yeah. so that's obviously an issue. Uh, kind, of, kind of a taunting, kind yeah. of a, one of the ladies uh, spoke of it as, as, as kind of torturous and, 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 you know, so forth. But the very first thing that the gentleman who owns the building, not the business owner, but the owner of the building said he wholeheartedly yes. is saddened by yes. anyone in Hernando, Mississippi, having to deal with that they and deal with sleep. It, it cannot sleep. Deal with uh, you know till one o'clock in the morning sometimes dealing with um, you know fear in their home. He was very wanted to definitely uh, let them know that he was saddened by that. So yeah, and carry so on. yeah, he was that he started off that way, and then he gave kind of the history sure. of the improvements made to of the course, property. Of course, he said that he bought the property in about 2014 or 15. It was a brownfield project, which means that it had environmental issues. There was oil in the soil, gas, other contaminants it because it, it used to be a uh, dealership for tractors, and they actually serviced tractors there. So it was a, a, a the old Kubota place. So it was a it was a mess. He bought the property, um, and he did not know what tenant he had. He did not have Correct. a pre lease. When he started it, he basically built, you know, developed the shell, fixed the shell, kept it empty, was able to find a restaurant to come in. And then once he knew it was going to be a restaurant, of course, then he finished it out to some of the specs the restaurant wanted and some of the specs that he could put in there where if that restaurant were to shut down, he could bring something else in. He then did mention that the restaurant was in business before the houses were behind it. So he said, look, that's very true. You know, the restaurant was here. There was always been music been played here since day one that they opened. Uh, it's it's part of their business plan is to, to get people in by attracting with live music. So it, it was it was actually inside music. That's right. It was in, that's right. It, it was, was inside, inside music, music the when they first opened. That's correct. Inside music. COVID pushed the outside music growth. Well, I'm, so they could survive. Sure, the, the I won't argue with that. Yes. Uh, he mentioned that, the, uh, and so that you know they did play music, but it was just, he does not condone the music playing played that loud. He does not condone the hostility between the restaurant owner and the tenants behind him. Correct. He thinks that the restaurant owner does need music to make his business successful, yes. and that inside outside music needs to be well defined. So his whole purpose of going up there, not only to give the history, and to say, hey, look, I'm I own it, but please, I don't have anything to do with the restaurant, was to say. Noise ordinance is important. We do need a noise ordinance. However, make sure you clearly define it because he made a good point. Dale Wilson, who was you know built these houses here, also built one Memphis Street. So if one Memphis Street has their doors open, is that inside or outside music? A DJ that might play till till midnight. Till midnight is that inside or outside? Because now there are condos next to one Memphis Street that if those back doors are open, if the side doors are open. That could be loud. Now, Mr. Wilson also owns that building, but what if his own tenants are complaining about his other building? So if you're going to do this, 
Make sure it's defined as to what is inside, what is outside. If you're going to use decibel levels, does that matter if it's inside or out? Are there different levels for inside or outside? So he just wanted to say, make sure it is thorough. And we're, and we're going to get to an alderman who agreed in a different sense to that here in just a few minutes. That's what his whole purpose was. I don't mind it. Sure. Uh, I mean, you know, they need music, but we also need rules and these people need to be able to sleep. So he kind of went on to that. He wanted to clarify that the developer of the houses behind him, so Mr. Wilson, did approach him about building a sound wall and splitting the cost for a consultant to see if it would work. But uh, the, the building owner said, hey, that's fine if you want to do that, but I'm not paying for it. Right, sure. So in no, he, he said the developer did not say he was going to pay for it 100%. Correct. At, no, at no point did he, was he ever told the developer was going to pay for it 100%. The developer actually asked him to split, to the, cost. split the cost of the consultant, Correct. not of building the wall. So he just wanted to clarify that for the alderman. So he sat down, another citizen got back up and talked about that he, had, he was a part of a church that used to be downtown. They put in some lights and people complained about the light pollution and they had to take their lights down. And so, you know, what's, you know, what's the difference between light pollution and noise pollution? So he kind of made that point, which is very brief. And so it kept going on. And this, of course, remember, it was a discussion, so nothing could happen. Sure. So then the aldermen started to comment on what they've heard. Alderman Four made a motion to have the city attorney I have a draft ordinance drawn up for the next meeting. So two weeks, he wants a draft ordinance. Alderman for War Two, Andrew Miller, said it needs to address noise ordinance all over the city. This kind of goes back to the point that the building owner was making, that that's fine, but make sure it's detailed, not only for inside-outside, but what, what Alderman Miller was saying was, you have to do subdivisions. Are subdivisions louder or softer? Um, how And how late can you be playing music at somebody's house compared to late to you know somewhere around the square? The uh, city attorney did mention that... The city of Oxford does address that. It is addressed in there based on sections of town so that he will look to do that. And that if he also said, hey, if any alderman, if any uh, citizen wants to have input in this draft that I'm doing, please call me. I mean, you, you, know, you know my name. I'm in the book. Please call me. Uh, and so they, you know, he encouraged that. That basically is where we left it. Uh, they kind of voted on that. They talked about it a little bit more and went ahead and said, so he, it was approved unanimously that the city attorney is going to bring a draft noise ordinance that could be adopted in two weeks. Uh, it could be adopted on the, on the uh, third Tuesday of this month uh, to uh, as to different levels. Now, we uh, Alderman did reach out to us. Uh, we talked to one, and they, he said that uh, what the draft that he wants to see and that what he's talked to other aldermen, now I'm not speaking for them, I'm only speaking for him, said that they're looking to maybe limit the hours of uh, outside live music to 9 p.m. on weekdays and 10 p.m. on weekends and to impose a certain decibel level restriction. Now, that is not approved. That is what he wants to see. I, I mean, again, we, they all said they want a time and they want a level. So I think you're going to see something like that. Matt, I am a little concerned at 10 p.m. on the weekends. Okay. 10 on the weekends. Now, if you're saying that you can get a special permit to go to midnight, sure. I'm cool. But if you're saying doesn't matter permit or no permit, or maybe you don't have to have a permit, you just have to shut down at 10, or you have to have a permit for all music, but you still have to shut down at 10, that's a problem. You and I are involved in things that have live music sure. to 11 to 12. Yeah. Uh, 10, 10 o'clock on a weekend, a Friday and Saturday night, that's pretty early. That's early. I mean, it's 9 o'clock on the weekends at the square, so they would barely squeak by sure. for what's happening, what happened last night. Right. Shuts down at 9. So, again, they're in, they're, they would be in code, but you know, a, a Thursday night, a Tuesday night is a lot different than a Friday or Saturday night with a you know, concert coming to town with you know water tower sessions or something like that. So, but that is something that can be done with a permit. That, the, right, the city, so, yeah, but this, they have to write that sure, into sure. the ordinance. Yeah, I agree. And so it would be very interesting to see what that looks like in two weeks. 
If I was Steve Pittman, I would charge by the letter right now. <laughs> by the word? I'd be charging by 5, the word. That may word be the essay. way to go. If I have to write up an ordinance, I've got to write by the, the, by the word. Uh, good job explaining that, Derek. I think they did a pretty, you know, concerned citizens, um, you know, spoke their piece. That's part of the process that we have. That's so awesome to be in America in a town like Hernando where the citizens can talk about their experiences and, and talk to their board of aldermen, the people that are uh, setting laws, setting things, uh, they can go straight to them. And that's what happened. Um, I thought everybody did a good job calmly during the meeting. I won't say after the meeting, everybody was necessarily calm, um, <laughs> but I will say during the meeting, people did a pretty good job of discussing, bringing those things up. Uh, you know, Rhodes made a good point. The, you mentioned Rhodes Thompson, the other developer, uh, you know, involved in real estate all over DeSoto County, knows all about the ordinances and all that different stuff. Um, made a good point. Hey, if we're going to do something from a light standpoint, what he was talking about was he paid for it, That's right. uh, lights uh, on a church, and it was too bright, and they had to take them all down at his expense again because the light was affecting people close by. We can do that for lighting, but we can't do it for noise. And look, I want UTW podcast listeners to understand I love loud music as much as anybody. I DJed in high school. I love loud music. I get it. I understand it. What I do struggle with is inside the city of Fernando, someone who is a resident of my town fearing retaliation being the word retaliation fearing those type things well, that's noise what I'm retaliation really, well noise yeah. retaliation those type things i'll show you type attitude stuff you know derek diplomacy goes uh a multi it's got to go both ways three ways four ways whatever and i would think that this has been going on for 12 to 18 months that's right well since they finished all right, 12 to 18 months that this has been going on. Um, like we talked about, COVID kind of pushed the owner to push things outside. So we're outside more now. You know, what maybe started as two nights a week has become three, has become four. And, you know, again, you and I saw a video after the meeting. So knew it was on the radar and still kind of rock until 10 o'clock at night. And again, this is not an acoustic set coffee house type situation. No. It's a full five uh, piece band rocking and rolling. And I love music as much as anybody. I am far from a fuddy duddy, but at the same time, there's got to be a way for things to, uh, I think one thing that's getting lost Derek, and I'll say it out. I'll, I'll say it on, on the show is the city does control your business license. Yes. The way to make a lot of money in a city is to fly under the radar, stay open, have a good product that people want. It's not to poke fun and have the police called all the time. It's not to be on the radar of the board of aldermen, of the police, and to be a nuisance to anyone. And I think that's where we're headed is something's got to give. And I completely agree with that. The noise is, is too loud. There's no way. If I was there, I'd be just as furious as they are, uh, not being hey, able to sleep. Let me cut you off real quick. And I thought the same thing you're thinking. And I, said, and I, talked, to, uh, I talked to two separate women. Asked them a question, what they kind of thought of it. Showed the video that you and I've seen. Mm -hmm. Both of them said, "I never would have moved next to a restaurant." And I said, "Well, what about this?" And they said, "No, no, no. I never would have moved next to a restaurant." And I said, "Well, it always hasn't been this loud. They used to be inside, now they're outside." And they stopped me again, and both said, "I never would have moved there." So I, mean, I see it both. I mean, you know, well, and then I think the only thing I disagree with what the citizens were saying uh, that lived in that area was that you know hernando is nice and it's quiet and this is an entertainment district and our entertainment district consists of a beauty shop and a restaurant across the street that plays the music too loud and i want to i'm going to disagree on that point because that's the whole point we're trying to grow it into an entertainment district right. i mean we know you know there's work being done on the old Soda times building one memphis is a inter, it's an entertainment venue venue old Soda times building is going to be an entertainment venue uh, this is an—I mean, this is a restaurant. You've got um, other lots across the street. You have a vacant lot up on a hill. 
uh, that's um, you know next to the, uh, the strip center that has a, a haircutting place and a couple other things in it. You've got an empty gas station uh, that at some point you know something will, will you know somebody will come in and do something with. So I think developing things down Memphis Street that have walkability, uh, mixed use. Uh, that sort of thing. That is what the city is is trying to do. That's the whole. That's what their that's their vision. So I understand and know the music should not be allowed, but I do hope the citizens understand that live in that area. More of that, more restaurants, more uh, maybe mixed use property, retail bottom, you know, apartments on top type places. Those things are coming in and around you because that it is the overall plan of what Hernandez. I mean, this is kind of the off square stuff. Now, there's only a finite space on the square. Everybody wants to be close to the square, including businesses. So you've got to, if, if there's not already a house there and it's an empty commercial lot, something's going to come there. So I, I want to encourage businesses to put stuff that now I want it done right within code. And if there's needs to be, you know, some kind of ordinance, that's fine. But let's, let's, let's try to develop that area and have it walkable so you can get multiple things by leaving your, you should want that. Sure. And so that was the only thing I was uh, a little upset that they said was, Hey, well, we just we moved here. We want it to be quiet, and the square is the square. But who do we think we are? You know, we're not a college town. Right. That is true, but there would be nice to have different types of entertainment, which means retail, music, art, or other things come to this come to that area. That we should want that as a city. Right. I understand. I mean, I, I agree with you, and uh, we have talked uh, plenty of about the noise ordinance. I mean, let's be real, Derek. The noise ordinance in some way, shape, or form is coming. So if you can hear our voice and you're a uh, Hernando, Mississippi resident, it is coming. And if you want to uh, learn more about it, have input on it, ask questions about it, you can talk to your alderman. You can certainly talk to, again, the city attorney, uh, made sure to tell people to uh, visit with him. And so that, that that's what he said. So that's coming. The other item in the uh, meeting, again, we've talked quite a bit about the noise ordinance, so we'll try and move as fast as we can when it comes to the budget. As I teased earlier, the budget for the next fiscal year for the city of Fernando did pass. Uh, give us a couple of highlights on that. Budget discussion started with Alderman of Ward 4, Chad Wicker. He started the discussion saying he didn't want to see different raises for different people. So he wanted the flat increase across all employees. So they went straight to the raises, salaries, whatever you want to call it, because that is the largest increase in this budget. It was for personnel uh, raises. Uh, he suggested either a 3% pay raise or a $2,500 pay raise across the board. That's where that's kind of how the discussion started. Uh, Alderwoman, Ward 5, Beth Rawls, she suggested to split the budget raises over two years. She said, look, we got it. Maybe we kind of stair-step this in there so we're not all hit at one time. Uh, ben Piper, Alderman, Ward 6, he was worried about the sales tax increase being shown. You know, will it sustain year over year? He thinks it's responsible to add the police headcount but did not want to add the Sally Port that we had talked about. He thought that because maybe at some point in the future years, if we're going to grow to 58 policemen in five years like the police chief wanted to do, we may have to have another building. That was his point. The mayor then had to say, hey, look, we need that the department heads are grossly underpaid. We need to be a competitive wage. Basically, that's why I'm showing that the department heads are getting larger raises uh, than some of the um, uh, less paid positions. Uh, he was looking at this budget as, as a way to get it right, to get those employees up to levels closer to the county so we're not losing people all the time. Uh, Alderman at Large, Doc Harris, said that they, were, that, you know, they are not for cutting any new hires that department heads have asked for, whereas in former budgets, they cut positions. So in other words, what he's saying is, is that if we do this, now we're all asking for raises, where in the past we might have to cut a position, cut a position here, cut a position there. He reminded them that a 2% raise had been given earlier this year, and that if we did a 3% raise across the board right now, that's, an, that's a 5% raise this year. This is Doc Harris. This is Doc Harris was still kind of proving his point. Like 5% in a year is good. I mean, I'm, 
I right. mean, I'm going to be honest. I don't get 5% in a year. You know, maybe these larger 6, 10, 12% increases could be, could be scaled back. Right. Um, he also mentioned that he hopes the animal shelter could come in less. Now, 900000 you know, was set aside, but maybe they can do that a little bit less. He said most high-dollar items are still in the budget, and he would like to see some budget improvements. Uh, and he was the first to mention that the budget is, you know, 2 to $3 million more than last year. Um, and so that was the first time it was kind of brought up. Now, we didn't mention that last time, but it was brought up. Uh, Alder Woman Ward 1, uh, Natalie Lynch, she further explained that they're bringing forward $2 million from the previous budget. So there's a carry forward that was unspent, and she was worried getting the budget that much higher to include is worrisome because the city might not have that money or be able to uh, have those savings or additions from previous years moving forward. Alder Woman Ward 5, Beth Ross, mentioned that each city department is as important as the next Matt, that that is that's also kind of a maybe a bone of contention. Is are all city departments equal? I mean, is a cemetery equal to the police department? I mean, what you know, so if we have a cemetery department here, is that more important or equally as important as the police department have a number of, of policemen on the street? Those are kind of questions that were, you know, kind of thought about. The mayor then came up with an idea. He said, All right, so the budget shows five new policemen, which we talked about. What if we started three policemen in October 1st or started trying to find them, and then the other two in April if we can afford it? Same thing with the firemen. Three new firemen starting on October 1st. What if we do maybe did one or two in October, the other one in April? So, But the, the goal being by this time next year we have five hired. That's right. That's the goal. He's just simply saying what if the goal is not to buy hire five at all at one time, hire three, then two. Uh, look up here a year from now and we've got five and then do that again and over and over and over to get to the 58 level that police chief Worsham mentioned during the budget talks he'd like to get to over four years get to 58 and there was some discussion that he would for all the new hires in every department they would all be cut in half so half october 1st the other half april 1st yes that was talked about to try to save money throughout the year um, many aldermen were then worried about raising percentages this year with the extra monies and then having to cut next year if projections aren't met. So if we give all these raises and for next year, you know, the, the fixed expenses are too high and we don't, we're not going to, looks like we're not going to have enough revenue coming in. Well, the, we're going to have to cut people, right? So do we, are we sure we want to bump these raises this high with the possibility of having to cut two positions next year? That was, that kind of was brought up. So there was a lot of discussion again on wages back and forth, flat, 2500 flat 3% or to give as suggested by the apartment heads at different levels. The Alderman Wood 4 Chad Wicker was adamant that the pay scale for the police is not that far out of whack. He mentioned the 12% pay raise for the command staff and all the other increases in the police department that were just around 6 or 7%. The mayor looked into it. He said that is correct. So the command staff was asking for 12% raises while the, the ones below command staff were uh, only getting 6 or 7% raises. The mayor, so that was a lot of discussion was there. And the police chief and the fire chief both said, hey, look, 3% doesn't cut it because if we're trying to get this position to $12 an hour and you give 3%, it still only leaves us at $11.50. Or if this guy is a P2, like uh, has a certification, this one doesn't, and you give 3%, it doesn't get him to the P2 level. He's still a P1, even though he's certified getting paid similarly to what this new guy coming in that's not certified is because now we've raised the four rate to 12. So there was a lot of, which they're good points. I mean, if you're doing it on a pay scale, it's very hard to say 3% when you're trying to get people from 10 to $12, they're already getting a $2 raise. So there was a lot of that discussion. The uh, mayor then, so they started kind of getting to the closing. They did cut out the Sally Port. Sally Port was taken out. He said, okay, I'm going to cut out the Sally Port. I'm going to uh, do the half hires in uh, October 1st, the other half April 1st. I'm going to leave the pay raises as shown. So the different percentages kind of all over the board based on what the department has asked for. 
Um, the alderman of Ward 2 then said, okay, before we go, the, the head of the dispatch was there. He said, look, you're asking for two people. We know you're short-staffed. We know you have some part-time people. Can you make it with only one person in October and the other one coming in April? And she thought about it. She said, yes, if you do that. And, he, she, and then she said, as long as I can have a couple part-time people remaining, they said, yeah, she can still have a couple part-time while that until the other person's hired. So she said she was fine. So then he, so Alderman War II agreed that we could go to half now, half later. The Alderman War II, though, was in favor of the Sally Port stay-in. Uh, ultimately, the mayor did leave it out. But finally, the Alderman at large, Doc Harris, made the motion with those changes. Uh, Alderwoman Natalie Lynch seconded it. Uh, it went to a vote. It was a roll call vote. So Ward 1 voted yes. Ward 2 voted yes. Ward 3 voted yes. 4 voted no. Ward 5 voted no. And Ward 6 voted yes. And the Alderman at large voted yes. So the budget is passed, as you mentioned to, to start the show. 5 to 2. No special meeting will be needed next week. Uh, it's already a done deal. Now, coming out of that, we did receive a little more. I kind of want to summarize everything. Uh, and then, uh, Matt, that will be pretty much the end of our discussion. The, I know it's <laughs> Some people long. would say that hopefully the end of our show. Uh, the total budget that was passed was $32,966,372. Yep. That is 15% higher than the 28.5 or 28.9, I think, from last year. So, again, a, a, a pretty good increase, $3, $3 million increase uh, year over year uh, on the budget. Uh, they will be adding five new police officers, half in October, other half in, in April, three additional firefighters, two additional dispatchers, a one part-time deputy clerk in the court department, and one employee to the water department. Uh, pay raise for employees. Every employee in the city, with the exception of the alderman, received at least a 3% raise. The budget also raised every employee of the city to at least $12 an hour. So that's what, again, we talked about. The main portion of this increase has to do with personnel salaries and increases. However, many uh, there, there were several that received larger raises than the 3% raise. Police chief was a 12% raise. Animal control director was a 30% raise. Park director received a 10% raise. Court clerk, 23% raise. Human resource director received a 10% raise. And then the medics in the fire department received a 20% raise. And again, all these were, if you want to watch the budget meetings from uh, last week, please do so. Uh, there's a large discussion of why they were asking for these different raises. Uh, and then finally, capital, I guess, uh, expenditures. There were a base, there was eight. Uh, there was a purchase of one backup ambulance uh, and a purchase of seven new police cars. So that's kind of what was added new into this budget this year. The only concerns I have, Matt, I guess, are just the ongoing budget going forward right. you're so, a banker you're a banker that's what you do finance that type of stuff your concern is hey fixed assets what happens well, if no, we fixed have expenses fixed, fixed expenses. expenses i'm sorry fixed expenses what happens if our sales tax declines for you know one or two years and we have employees we have staff that type of stuff i mean you know i guess anytime you you set a budget or you move forward it's got to be with a bit of a Sadly, it's got to be with a mixture of positivity and hope, but then with, with, with reality as well. So that's, that's the tough part. And I think the other th uh, concern that I've heard voiced yes. is the lack of infrastructure that was, yes. I guess, increased in this budget. Now, we do know we're getting $3.6 right. I'm assuming that and most of that has to be, or not all of that has to be spent. We also know that we got 250000 that we just uh, they approved the account to open for roads and bridges. So there is infrastructure coming. Uh, I still would have liked to see a little, maybe a little more infrastructure including into this. I think the uh, overlay budget was increased $50,000. Not really much else mentioned. I'm not saying it wasn't done. Uh, it just was not talked about in any of the budget meetings that you know we're going to do more sewer here, more water here. That was really not talked about uh, during the budget meeting. So again, 
I encourage you, two hours and 45 minutes, if there's any other questions you have on that, there is no other meeting. That's it. It's passed. Uh, maybe some people were expecting it to go to next Tuesday to get more information, to have input. It's too late. It's passed for this year. Uh, and so we'll see how it sets, how the city does uh, in the next six to 12 months to see if those hires are made in April. You know, if something looks wrong, then the citizens will be able to voice their displeasure then. Thank you to the Board of Aldermen. Thank you for all the city employees, all the people that work hard on those Tuesday, on those Alderman meetings. Uh, the, well, the poor gentleman who has to run the camera is now working. Uh, he may be coming for a raise. He may be asking. He's, uh, <laughs> he just got $100 exact, every night. 100, now exactly. he's already asking for he a raise. He may be coming back. But thank you to all the Aldermen. Thank you for uh, you know doing the city business. That's what we say each and every month when it comes to these Alderman meetings and stuff like that. We really, really appreciate it. Agree with it. Don't agree with it. Go watch the YouTube channel. Visit with your Alderman. If you have concerns, that's what they're there for talk to them visit with them from a noise ordinance standpoint budget standpoint doesn't matter they're they're there to serve the public and we definitely appreciate their hard work speaking of a wonderful asset to the community of hernando the hernando farmers market brings together the best of local food artistry and the agricultural traditions of the mid-south it's a place to shop it's a place to gather but more importantly it's a rare chance to experience the simplicity of a mississippi small town it is truly a fresh local experience for more information you can contact gia matheny at 662-449-9092 that's 662-449-9092 the hernando farmers market takes place from 8 a.m to 1 p.m every Saturday from May 1st through October. That's 8 a.m. through 1 p.m. every Saturday, May 1st through October. Again, if you're interested in becoming a vendor for the farmer's market, reach out to Gia Matheny, 662-449-9127. If you can hear our voice, you definitely want to get out and enjoy the Hernando Farmer's Market tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. each and every Saturday on the Hernando Square. North Point Christian School is excited to kick off the 2021-2022 school year with the highest enrollment it has seen in five years. With more than 1,000 students, the school is excited about the year ahead. North Point is the oldest and largest Christ-centered college preparatory school in DeSoto County. Located in South Haven, they serve students PK through 12th grade. If you have any questions or would like to take a tour, contact Ms. Sheila Sharon, Director of Admissions, at 662-349-5127. Again, Mrs. Sheila Sharon at 662-349-5127. Podcast brought to you by North Mississippi Dumpsters. North Mississippi Dumpsters is a local small business offering service seven days a week. They currently serve DeSoto, Marshall, Tate, and Tunica counties. In addition to dumpster rentals, they are now offering junk removal and new construction cleanup. Junk removal simply means they will deliver, load, and haul away your debris. New construction cleanup is great for residential contractors. They deliver the dumpster, clean up the site, haul off debris, and do a final interior cleaning. It is a one-stop shop for your construction project. You can give Joe a call at 901-299-0916. That's 901-299-0916. Or visit their wonderful website, desotodumpsters.com. Learn the price of a dumpster. Book a dumpster pickup of a dumpster all the information you need about north mississippi dumpsters is right there on their website again desotodumpsters.com if you need a dumpster for any reason call north mississippi dumpsters at 901-299-0916 or visit their website desotodumpsters.com
middle of our Friday show, we do the DeSoto County shout-outs. We want to say good luck to the shotguns and sunflowers happening and taking place right now. Look for more information about the Palmer Home at palmerhome.org. That's palmerhome.org. As we mentioned, Derek, the hometown headliners took place last night. It was a wonderful show. Casey Johns and Donnie Mars played. Upcoming events, September 16th, next Thursday, Truck Patch Revival. The following Thursday, Twin Soul. And on September 30th, Pam and Terry. The hometown headliners put on by the Hernando Main Street Chamber of Commerce right here every Thursday night on the historic Hernando Square. This Saturday, Saturday, September 11th, the 41st annual Fall Bazaar put on by the Holy Spirit Catholic Church. An awesome, awesome time. Again, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go to the Farmer's Market, then go to the Fall Bazaar. A wonderful, wonderful time for the 41st annual put on by the Holy Spirit Catholic Church. Fun and games for the kids, barbecue, cash raffles, silent auction, shop-a-lot grocery pull, taste of DeSoto baskets, pickles, jellies, candies, you name it. It's going to be there at the Fall Bazaar at the Holy Spirit Catholic Church. Derek, what you got? The 18th annual Water Tower Festival will take place on the Hernando Square September 25th at the Hernando's Historic Town Square. They're going to have crafts and vendor booths, live music, a car show, a barbecue contest uh, that also will feature Malcolm, uh, our studio sponsor, a free kids zone. Again, all will be there that day at the historic town square in Hernando. Uh, just a, a fun day. I think the barbecue teams will line up Friday night. It'll start about 9 a.m. on Saturday morning. Uh, going through the afternoon, I think the the meat is to be turned in uh, that afternoon and judged by 5 o'clock uh, with the winners announced. So again, just a great day to be on the Hernando town square Saturday, September 25th. Derek, a very special nonprofit to you and me attending the Hernando United Methodist Church. The Wesley Meadows Foundation, the Wesley Meadows Golf Benefit, the 23rd annual, will be coming up on September 16th. September 16th, an 8 a.m. and a 1 p.m. start will be at Timber Trust in Olive Branch. Some of the different sponsorship levels, Eagle sponsorship of $3,000, Birdie sponsorship of $1,000, Corporate sponsorship of $600, a team sponsorship is $500. If you'd like to be a whole sponsor, it would be $100. Individual players, they will put you with a team, would be $125. Uh, everything includes meals, customary gifts for all players. So a meal will include a Chick-fil-A breakfast and barbecue lunch later on that day. Again, that's going to be September 16th, the Wesley Meadows Golf Benefit, the 23rd annual taking place at Timber Trust, which is the former plantation uh, there in Olive Branch. So look forward to that. If you need more information about this event, you can certainly reach out to our longtime sponsor, Lauderdale Insurance Agency. They are located at 11 West Commerce Street, directly across from the Hernando Post Office. Lauderdale Insurance is owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, former alderman and local resident of Hernando. His team specializes in insurance for life, home, business, and auto. Mr. Sam encourages you to compare coverage, service, and price, but feels confident Lauderdale Insurance Agency should be your insurance provider. Please call Sam, Sherry, Angie, or Jennifer at 429-5213. That's 429-5213. Or find more information about them on Facebook at Lauderdale Insurance Agency. Again, if you need more information about the Wesley Meadows benefit, please reach out to Mr. Sam at 429-5213. Since 2001, Green King Spray Services has been helping home and business owners enjoy lush, healthy, weed-free outdoor living spaces. 
They refuse to settle for the status quo, continuously researching and testing the very latest methods, products, and strategies to ensure that your lawn looks better than the other guys. With technicians trained and educated, with hours of continuing education and seminars each year, Green King is committed to doing everything they can to make and keep you satisfied. You can reach them at 662-892-8419. Again, 662-892-8419. Or visit them on their website, greenkingspray.com. Remember, if you want it green, call the king. Podcast brought to you by Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. Whether it's leaf removal, tree trimming, fall cleanups, gate repair, new gate construction, new fence construction, anything you need on the outside of your home or business property, you definitely want to reach out to Richard. Call him at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or find him on Facebook at Williams Law and Services. Again, that's Williams Law and Services on Facebook. DeSoto Family Dental Care has been a presence under the water tower with over 60 years of combined dental experience. Dr. Seymour, Dr. Paroli, and Dr. Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments and general dentistry, including implants and implant-supported dentures, as well as Invisalign. DFDC makes use of modern technologies such as digital scanning, intraoral cameras, digital x-rays, and autoclave sterilization. An in-house lab allows your dentist to be fully involved in the lab process and the end result. The office is designed to provide a safe, comfortable, and relaxing atmosphere for their patients. You can be confident that the goal of each staff member is to create a comfortable environment to provide you with a relaxing, personalized dental care. Visit their office today to see the difference and give them a call at 662-429-5239. Again, 662-429-5239. The end of our shows in the fall, we always end with football. But before we get there, let's talk about another sport growing each and every year here in DeSoto County. We definitely get a lot of emails about it, texts about it, uh, and we're talking about volleyball. Derek, give us the update when it comes to the DeSoto County volleyball over the last week. North Point Christian won a five-set thriller at ECS. So this is a huge district rival. Uh, ECS and North Point has you know, not favored well against them lately. Uh, but they were able to beat ECS. Uh, the score is 25-10, 20-25, 25-15, 20-25, and the fifth set, 15 to four. Quinn Thurman had 15 kills, 36 digs, two blocks, and three aces. Sophie Bauer was busy with 42 assists and nine digs. Hassie Clear Thurman scored 11 kills and had 25 digs. And Brawley Faith Cherry had 10 kills, four digs, and two blocks. Next, we move down, get well to Lewisburg. Lewisburg had a three nothing volleyball win over Olive Branch on Tuesday night. Callie Ricard made seven kills, served seven aces, had five digs and two blocks. Sadie Bridgeforth also served seven aces in the match, had 11 digs and made three assists. Just a big three-set win for the Lady Patriots. Finally, moving down, I guess, west to Hernando under the water tower here with their varsity volleyball team. They won on Tuesday against Center Hill in five sets, 17-25, 25-18, 25-27, 25-18, and 15-11, so very close throughout, uh, all the way throughout, but Hernando was able to pull it out over center hill. Kristen Cleveland had 19 kills and seven aces. Raleigh Eister had 14 digs. 
and then Ainsley was the leading blocker for the Lady Tigers. Next, they played uh, a Wednesday night against Carnival. Carnival did win this match, 25-19, 25-13, and 25-20, but I think we all know Carnival, one of the best volleyball programs around. Uh, the Lady Tigers played them tough. Obviously, the last set was 25-20, so they were uh, just you know very close, couldn't quite put it away when they needed to. Uh, but Kristen Cleveland had the most kills with nine, Jaden Moore, Anna Clara Callum, and Angela Copeland all had several aces to contribute. Anna Clara and Riley each had 10 digs each, and Wolf was the leading blocker for the Lady Tigers. So one one on the week and lost one on the week, Derek. You know, pretty good for the Hernando Lady I mean, Tigers. Playing Carnival, yeah, I mean, exactly. That's a very, very tough 6A school out of Tennessee. Right. I think the Center Hill win is, is definitely a big deal. So, look, if you see these young ladies, uh, definitely congratulate them. Um, you know, share our podcast. Be sure and tell them that you heard about them on our podcast. We definitely appreciate the growth, and we definitely like to uh, always let the young people hear their voices being said. So congratulations to all the volleyball players right now as they go through their season. Turn our attention to football. Our football coverage is brought to you by – by mobile car and van rental right here in Hernando, right there at the corner of Commerce and McCracken. If you need a rental car, there's no longer a need to go to the airport. There's no longer a need to go to South Haven. There's no longer a need to use one of the big boys. If you need a car for a body shop need, car repair need, family vacation, you don't want to put the miles on your car, anything you need, call Mobile Car and Van Rental, 662-469-4555. That's 662-469-4555. Mobile Car and Van Rental, new to Hernando, but ready to serve you. Well, Derek, as I mentioned, we're moving on to football. Our Friday shows in the fall are always going to end with football. Let's talk about the North Point Trojans who had a game, a home game, canceled. Now they're playing an away game, their fourth away game to start the season. Going to be traveling down about an hour and a half to Water Valley. Tell us about the big game. Water Valley was set, also was set to face Bruce. And again, as you said, North Point was set to face Palestine, Wheatley, Arkansas. Both had to cancel due to COVID. So they kind of found each other, reached out and found each other. Uh, Water Valley the Water Valley Blue Devils. Uh, North Point comes into this game one and two. Uh, the Blue Devils come into the game one and one. Water Valley beat Independence 34-0 in the first week of the season, lost to Senatobia last week 42-17. to But they did turn the ball over four times in that game. Very hard to win when you do that. North Point, of course, is coming off a 42-7 victory at Marshall County, Kentucky. The game is homecoming for Water Valley. Oh, wow. It was so, going to be a homecoming against Bruce. Yeah. Now it's homecoming against you guys. Now it's homecoming against us. So North Point walking into a homecoming game that they didn't know about till uh, late last week. The Blue Devils are led by quarterback C.J. Tepford and running back Q Chambers. North Point, of course, is averaging 155 yards rushing game, 283 yards passing, as well as averaging 52 points a game. Water Valley is averaging 26 points a game. But here's a strange stat. They have yet to score in the second quarter this year. First two games, they've been shut out in the second quarter. It should be a good game between the two teams. They have never played each other before. So, Matt, we have the North Point Trojans versus the Water Valley Blue Devils. I will do the mascot first. Mascots first. Okay. First. A Blue Devil, to me, is less frightening than maybe a Red Devil. So I'm going to say the Trojan would beat the Blue Devil in a cage match. What is a Blue Devil? Like I, I, I know, know, I know what Dukes looks like. Right, it's a devil. It's blue. So is he? Uh, hey, what's the coolest look? Real quick, is he we'll a go cold fast. devil? The I movie, don't the movie Legend, the movie okay, Legend, Legend. That's a cool looking devil. That's a cool looking devil. That is yeah. a really, really, really good devil. Yeah. So if you haven't seen the movie Legend, it's a little got goblins and stuff like that. Yep. Tom Cruise is in it early yep. on, yep. and also uh, Simone from Ferris Bueller. Just simply Simone. saying, that's the best devil I've ever seen on TV. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take a Trojan over a Blue Devil in a cage fight because I'm I'm more scared of a Red Devil, but I'm not scared of a Blue Devil. 
Okay, so I'll I, take I would that. agree. I would agree. I, gonna I'm going to go say Trojans. I'm going to say Trojan with the mascot because a Blue Devil, like the ones I've always seen, like the Duke one is a very small, right. cute looking kind of fella. Like right. I don't, I'm not scared of him. And he'll plus, sneak up on you though. That's, he he that's will sneak devil. up he, on you. But if he's a, sneaky. If he's a Blue Devil, like is he cold? Is he iced? Like I don't understand. I mean, if you lose the flame, is there? I I don't know. Anyway, Trojans over the Blue Devils. Uh, I completely agree. And Derek, I might surprise you here. I think the uh, North Point Trojans roll big tonight Ooh. against the Water Valley Blue Devils. I think North Point comes in there for homecoming. I know you're a little bit hyped for a homecoming, but I'm going to tell you, I think North Point's going to uh, you know, take a lot of momentum from last week. They're not afraid to travel. They've done it. They've been there. I think they're going to go down to Water Valley tonight, and I think they're going to roll Water Valley tonight. You know I agree. So, therefore <laughs> – Trojans all the way. Trojans all the way. Well, good vote. I figured I knew exactly which way you were going for sure. All right, straight down, get well, take a left on 69. Lewisburg Patriots are doing what this weekend? Lewisburg Patriots at home versus the Kosciuszko Whippets. That's right, the Whippets. Kosciuszko Whippets. Lewisburg coming into the game one and one Kosciuszko, I do not think, has played a game. It looks like, according to everything I can find, both of their first two games have been canceled. Uh, That's not good. Yeah, so they are not – everything I found shows them at zero and zero. Uh, Lewisburg, of course, coming off a big win over Bahelia and will host the Whippets uh, at home. Again, we know the great uh, home atmosphere that they have. Lewisburg did find its ground game last week, uh, is now averaging 184 yards rushing on the season. Dowell leads the Patriots at 110 yards per game, all-purpose yardage, while uh, Haley leads the defense with five tackles a game. Again, we mentioned the Whippets have not played. They are led, though, by two-way player Jarrell Irving. Jarrell Irving will be playing both sides of the ball. and looks to be a star on both sides of the ball. Again, there's not much analysis since Kazioka has yet to play, but Lewisburg does need to continue to gain experience and lean on the crowd that they're going to have tonight and the recent game plan against Bahelia to try and notch their second win in a row. Well, Derek, I have told you, I've been told that Lewisburg High School has the best um, stadium experience in DeSoto County. I would hope that part of that is a good DJ, people playing the song. If you're playing the Kosciuszko Whippets and you're not playing the Devo song three <laughs> Devo, times tonight, Devo has to if be. you're not playing that, okay, so I don't know what a Whippet is. I have no idea what that is. Oh, we'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, okay, so all right, so we're going to go mascots first. Yeah. I know what a Patriot is, of course. We've talked about that. There's the Redcoat Patriots, and then there's the uh, Mel Gibson Patriot. Give me – before I make my decision, tell me what a Whippet is. A Whippet is a dog very similar looking to a Greyhound. Okay. That doesn't change my vote at all. One bit. <laughs> it's okay. a Greyhound dog. I'm picturing the Devo guy with the red hat on. That's what I was going to use. But, okay, you're telling me it's a Greyhound dog. Uh, yeah, so here's the deal. A Patriot inside of a cage fighting a – Similar to Greyhound Dog, the dog can run around the cage very fast. Yes, it can. But the Patriot's going to win every time. Well, again, assuming the Patriot has a musket. Done. It, it will shoot the dog. It, yes, <laughs> it will shoot the dog. Therefore, I would agree with you that the Patriot is going to beat a dog in a cage match. Yes. Right. It would Exactly. And if those of y'all who tuned in about the animal shelter and we just said the word shoot the dog, so uh, yeah, this please, is where please, they turn please. off. Yes, yeah. this is, a, this is a, a, a fake match and a fake cage yeah, exactly. with so, fake mascots. Um, that, but, yes, we would say a Patriot would beat a Whippet. Uh, but yeah, man, what a de- like every time the defense stands, you've got to throw the meme out there on Twitter. Oh yeah, you've got to play the song, yeah. whip it because we just whipped you Done. on the field. If you're not doing you're playing that. it, throwing it back out. I love it. Wonderful love song, it. wonderful song. It's a great '80s song. All right, so My kids, uh, do not hit whippets at every score. Correct. That, that would be terrible. Yes. So to play the song, don't hit the actual you know thing that kind of gets you well high. Derek, you know that. I've I'm, I've I live such a good uh, simple you know teenage life and everything. I don't even know what a whip it is. Okay, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now we talk about the game. Lewisburg moves to 2 and 1, absolutely beats down Kosciuszko. We talk about the best improvement coming from week 1 to 2. These whippets have yet to play a game and they will get rolled tonight by Lewisburg. 
I don't know rolled. I will say that Lewisburg is going to win because I don't know what they have. Uh, we do know that they do have one special player. Uh, but, again, it's his first game. They don't get preseason games. Um, I just really expect Lewisburg to win because of the improvement that you talked about they made. They know their game plan. You know that Kosciuszko playing the first game is going to make some mistakes. I also agree that the Patriots are going to win. Patriots are going to win big tonight. So, if you can hear our voice, uh, get out to Lewisburg. Uh, if, you, if you're in the Lewisburg area, area for sure, get out. Let's move under the water tower, Derek, as we wrap up our show. Under the water tower – the Hernando Tigers had a huge win last Friday. Uh, tons of offense. Zach Wilkie went off against the Cleveland Central Wolves and led his team to a big victory last Friday. What's he going to do this week? Tell us about the Hernando Tigers as they host up 55, an hour drive, the Grenada Chargers. Tell us about it. That's right. Great home atmosphere tonight. The Hernando Tigers 1-1 one one will face the 2-0 Grenada Chargers. Uh-oh. Uh, Hernando, again, will host their second game in a row. It's going to be a beautiful night tonight. I mean, we know it's going to be dry. We know it's going to be uh, just a cool night. Beautiful weather. I hope that the, the crowd is similar to what you said it was last week, Matt. Just, you know, hope that people are still trying to get in the first quarter. Well, actually, I don't. I'm hoping that they hire more gate people and get the people in before the game starts. But uh, really hope for a great crowd. Hernando, of course, as you said, coming off an exciting win over Cleveland Central. Zach Wilkie, seven touchdowns, six passing and one running. Uh, Grenada is coming off a close 24-19 win over Pontotoc, uh, and they also beat Hernando's county rival, Horn Lake, 14-8 in the season opener. Ooh. So they very clo- two very close games, not very high scoring. They do rely on the ground game, and they have a good defense that has allowed it to win those two games uh, that have been close. The key matchup tonight, Matt, will be the defensive line of Hernando versus the run game of the Chargers and – can Grenada stop the Wilkie Air Show? So really looking forward to a great matchup tonight. Derek, I was there last Friday. I'll be there again tonight. The Hernando Tigers, if you can hear my voice, let's have another 300-yard uh, line. Hopefully I'm not at the end of it um, to get in the game, but for sure. Or, or hire more gatekeepers. Open another gate. Let, let's – that's a good point because they do have a whole other – okay, yeah, good let's point. let's just open another gate. If you can hear our voice, let's open up another gate, maybe have a home away type situation, uh, home visitors uh, thing. That may be kind of something to do. Not that we like to tell people what to do on the podcast. We just like yeah. to throw out suggestions, yeah. Derek. That's what well, we do. We want people seated by the first start of the yeah, first Yeah, that quarter. would be good. Yeah. You, know, uh, can, you know, look, if we could do uh, everybody by the Star Spangled Banner, it would be awesome. That would be awesome. Even yes. be better because the band leaves in the second quarter. So just simply say they do. They leave. They leave in the second quarter. They go and do their scales. And they 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 get ready for the field. They go and get ready for the field for the big show. Um, But anyway, we digress. All right. Tigers and Chargers. We talked all last thing. We don't know what a Charger is. It's just the worst. We don't know. We don't know if it's a lightning bolt. We don't know if it's a uh, South Haven Charger. We don't don't know. So we have to kind of go. Regardless. No, didn't we just say it was like a man on a horse? It's a man on a horse. It's it's kind of a, a... yeah, it's kind of a Spartan-esque yeah. like guy. Yeah. Okay, if, if we're going to go with that South Haven Charger, because the Oxford Char- – yeah, if we're going to go with that, a Charger, man on a horse, Spartan-type guy with a sword, the mascot-wise, I've got to say it's it's going to be if – he ha- if he's on the horse, the Tiger can kill the horse. He can affect the horse, get him off the thing, and then, you know what, I'm going Tiger. I'm going Tiger again. <laughs> tiger. I'm going Tiger again. I don't know what I'm going to go. I do know that, you know, we see the San Diego – well, now the Los Angeles Chargers – uh, we see that there's always a lightning bolt, Matt. I mean, here's the thing. It's a cage match. If if a lightning bolt hits a tiger, tiger dies. Okay. So I'm going to go Chargers, um, you know, just to just to kind of shake it up a little bit. I, I don't know. I mean, again, if it keeps striking and never hits the tiger, tiger lives. Does the tiger win? Is it a draw? I'm not sure. We're not going to have ties in football anymore. Therefore, I'm going Chargers. All right. I was there last Friday again, like I said, and I, I picked the Cleveland Central Wolves to beat the Hernando Tigers. Made a mistake. Zach Wilkie under center, which that's not true. He never goes under center. He's always <laughs> in the shotgun. My bad. I misspoke on that one. Zach Wilkie, as long as he's out there, 
The Hernando Tigers have a shot. I think he's going to spin it again tonight. I'm not promising six passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown, but I think Hernando gets it done. I am a little bit scared, Derek, what we talked about. If you have a running team that commits to the run, if the if they commit to the run, keep the ball away from Hernando's biggest player, keep, the, keep Zach on the sidelines, then Grenada's going to have a chance. I'm going to pick Hernando, but don't be surprised if we look up and Zach does not get a chance to play much because if Grenada can run the ball, it's going to be a tough night. I do think Hernando can score. Uh, I am worried, as you said, about the Grenada ground game. Also, you know, the defense is good. Now, we don't know if Horn right, Lakes, sure. how they can score. We don't know how what Pontotoc has, uh, but they have shown a pretty stout defense. I think it's going to be a very close game. Uh, I do think home field matters. Uh, yeah, sure. you know, obviously, they played better at home than they did when they went to Neshoba Central. I'm not saying Neshoba Central is not a much better team. They are, or they, or they could be. We don't know yet. The fact that you're at home, I think it's going to be lower scoring. I yeah. think maybe a 24-21 type game, 21-19 type game, but I will go with the Tigers also. I think that being at home, uh, that you know, again, a huge improvement from week one to week two on the offensive side of the ball. Again, the defense does worry me. We'll see what happens, but I do think that Wilkie will put up enough touchdowns with the help of his wide receivers and the running back you mentioned uh, earlier this week. I do look for a 24-21, 21-19 Tiger victory, something like that. Look, uh, yeah, I really feel like Hernando is going to have less possessions this week than they did last week uh, against Cleveland Central. So when Zach has the ball, we got to make something count. I think it, I think it could, you know, if you told me somebody blows somebody out, I think it's Zach having another night like last week. Agreed. I think that's kind of the way it goes. I don't think Grenada can do that uh, as far as a blowout goes. So I'm looking forward to tonight. If you can hear our voice on this Friday show, please, please, please come out, support these young people. Another beautiful night in Hernando. The air is going to be crisp. It's going to be perfect. Please come out and uh, enjoy enjoy this wonderful community uh literally Derek their stadium is almost right under the water tower that's right so definitely come out look if you enjoy what we talk about every week Alderman meetings positivity young people football volleyball those type things please tell others about our show share our show tell your friends tell your family if you hear your niece's name on the show or cousin's name on the show send it to them let them know so they can maybe subscribe and enjoy the utw podcast each and every week like you currently do well look if you enjoy our show find us on facebook at utw podcast instagram utw podcast twitter utw pod wherever you listen to our show spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, you name it if you can hear our voice right now get on your provider give us a five-star review as we continue to move up the ranks for local podcasts we definitely appreciate it want to encourage you to look up ob pod if you're a football fan ob pod covers center hill lewisburg and olive branch extremely well they talk with their coaches every week they talk about post-game things they do a really really good job covering the football teams in that area ob pod look for them as we end our friday show want to encourage you to go to church want to encourage you to take your family to church this weekend if you've been looking for a church home find them on facebook Find their service times. We definitely want to encourage you to visit a local church this weekend. Take your family. You will not regret it. Well, Derek, before we sign off, our we did this last year. September 11th was the show, uh, was an actual Friday show. It was the 19th uh, anniversary. Um, so as we sign off, we won't go into, you, you and I lived together during 9-11. We talked about that last year. You can certainly go back and listen to that show, of course. But before we uh, sign off of, of this show, the 20th anniversary of September 11th. It's amazing. The fact uh, that you and I are still friends. The fact that we're here together and doing a show together. Um, so much has changed over the last 20 years I mean you know our children well and I, I, and I, I, I think we mentioned it last year and I, of course I hadn't listened to that show in a year uh, but I think that you know the fact that my son's a senior now has 
you know, he was three years, he was, you know, three years to be born, right. no recollection. Right. And it's just very sad that that generation has zero recollection of what that meant to the country, how it damaged the country. And I hope that they are teaching that in history classes, but at the same time, I hope that you, if you were part of it, you have your own children, share it with them, what it means when all those, you know, all the programs, they already have stuff on Netflix, already have documentaries out. I think National Geographic has one, Netflix has one. Uh, have them watch it, help them understand just how traumatic uh, how we united as a country, and that hopefully it doesn't take something like that again to unite the country. So again, just we thank all the service members out there. We're very, very thankful for all that you do to keep our freedoms every day and to put your life on the line. And uh, we could not thank you more, um, and of all those policemen and firemen that day, uh, but just everybody that, that protects this country. And, and again, we hope that um, we can all come together like that. Uh, you know, again soon. Just amazing. Again, our hearts. Uh uh, you know, go out to the family members, uh, Derek, there's, there's children that were born, uh, never met their, their parents. Um, you know, those type of stuff, just an amazing uh, thing that, you know, the, the history of the United States of America, uh, I say it all the time. Our kids simply, I'm not saying mine and your kids, but this generation that's growing up right now with phones in their face, I'm sorry to get on that kick, but they're definitely not looking and bleeding the red, white, and blue, um, like the generations before us that would probably say the same thing about ours. And so we need to get back to that w- uh, point. Uh, America is an amazing country. We were attacked because of our values. We were attacked because of our freedom. We were attacked because those people just do not see and think the same way we do when it comes to loving our country. And so, um, you know, We'll just sign off as simple as that. The 20th anniversary of September 11th, our hearts and our prayers uh, certainly go out to those uh, people uh, in the Northeast and, and all across the uh, the country that were so touched by that day. So just an amazing time in America. And, and again, Derek, like you mentioned, the rallying around each other was so amazing. And that's what I'll remember 20 years later. I, I hope to I hope we can get back to that feeling. So just wanted to say that before we signed off. Well, if there's nothing else, I'm Matt. And I'm Derek. Join us next time under the water tower.